Good Risings. I'm Jackie. And I'm Brian. And this is Grateful Grains. Welcome back. As you may recall, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. We're getting our month on mental well-being started by re-exploring the five most common types of anxiety. We got it started yesterday with social anxiety. Today, we're talking relational. Relational anxiety is anxiousness and often snap responses triggered by our more intimate relationship dynamics. Sometimes this kind of anxiety feels like jealousy. Sometimes it's a fear of abandonment, chronic doubt, and even feelings of a lack of worthiness within the relationship. And our responses to feelings like these can be everything from controlling behavior, physical, verbal, and emotional abuse to ghosting altogether. Here's a simple example of how a relational anxiety might come about in friendship. Let's say when we were younger, we found out a friend we really trusted had been gossiping about us. Maybe we found out they were sharing things we told them in confidence. It's perfectly logical, even obvious, that we might have trouble trusting another friend in the same way in the future. As these kinds of beliefs take root in us, a subconscious mechanism is implanted, which tells us we can't trust people. And it's there for one reason, to protect us. Oftentimes, these subconscious mechanisms exist in us, and we have no idea why. We believe it's just a part of who we are, and we don't really spend any time questioning it. But questioning it is where the work is. Following the example of gossip and friendship, a defense mechanism can become a hindrance if years later in life we can't trust anyone, even if they truly deserve our trust. We believe everyone is talking behind our back, even if they aren't. Or maybe we've become a gossip too, subconsciously feeling that if we do it too or if we do it first, we won't experience the same hurt or letdown when someone does it to us. We have to step back and examine whether this behavior is hindering us from living our fullest lives to our utmost potential. When we're ready to make a change, we have to examine the world around us, the relationships in our lives, in their current iteration. We have to allow the present moment to inform us rather than the past. This isn't to say that if there's a pattern of abuse or betrayal or gaslighting, whatever it is, if a specific person has continued to behave in a certain way, that's something different entirely. What we're talking about here is we can't let our experience with that person affect the way we interact with the next person. We have to allow each person, each situation to speak for themselves. We have to give people the benefit of the doubt unless they've personally proven they don't deserve it. And the next part of that is we have to trust ourselves to follow through when someone proves they can't be trusted. The more we know we can rely on ourselves to properly act when we're not being handled well, the more we'll be able to quell those automatic responses when they begin to trigger. Long story short, our bodies are more likely to let us take the lead when we say, trust me, I got this, if we've stepped up and protected ourselves by making difficult decisions. But if we have a history of putting ourselves in situations to get hurt over and over again, our bodies might intuitively try even harder to interrupt. 
By the way, even if you happen to have been betrayed by different people, different friends, time after time, it's important to remember there are people out there who won't betray you. There are people out there who deserve your trust. It's really up to you when and how you decide to let them in again. I'd also say be the person you're looking for. If you don't like people gossiping about you, don't gossip about them. I promise you, if you can do the work on yourself, you're providing an example to yourself that those kinds of people exist because you exist. Dr. Nicole LaPera, the holistic psychologist, says healing is not about no longer feeling jealousy, insecurity, or fear. It's about taking a deep breath while honoring the fact that it is there to protect you. And I'd add, once you do accept that it's there to protect you, Recognize if you no longer need its protection. Recognize if it's a response in you that's coming from an old situation. That's awareness. Healthy and properly functioning relationships are full of well-learned and communicated boundaries. We have to normalize needing space, having disagreements, making mistakes and apologizing, adjusting to change, having moments of miscommunications, setting boundaries, experiencing doubt, engaging in difficult and awkward conversations, struggling to maintain emotional intimacy. We have to acknowledge that others are different than us. We have to embrace imperfection. And negative reactions to any or all of those things are often the result of relational anxiety or trauma. Sometimes in extreme cases, hurt people hurt people, both physically and emotionally. People who have a fear of abandonment often become controlling, belittling, accusatory, and violent. And the bottom line, there is absolutely no excuse for abuse. Often people in abusive situations know their partner was abused. They understand why their partner is struggling. They care. They don't want to be another person who abandons them. Maybe the abusive partner wants to change, tries, and just can't. We see that and we honor that. But we have to remember always, safety is our primary concern. And when abuse is being accepted and when it's normalized, when it's excused, when the environment or the boundaries go unchanged or ignored, people will not grow. People will not change unless you draw the line and stick to it. If you're involved in a situation like this, it can feel impossible to escape. Remember, you are never to blame for being battered or mistreated. You are not the cause of your partner's abusive behavior. You deserve to be treated with respect. You deserve safety and happiness. And it is never your job. It should never be your role to help your partner change. Helpguide.org is a fantastic resource to help you understand and help you plan how to safely remove yourself from this kind of situation. If you're in immediate need, you can reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. We also know that treatment can often feel expensive or out of reach, but publicly funded programs are available in most places. If you're in the U.S. and struggling financially, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration will help you find low-cost or no-cost treatment. You can call them at 1-800-622-HELP. 
Thanks so much for joining us on Grateful Cranes. You can find us on Instagram at Good Risings, or you can find me at B McMuffin. And you can find me at Jacqueline M. Wood underscore one. We'll be back again tomorrow for day three of our week discussing anxiety. Until then, remember, a better tomorrow starts with today. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.